Hello and welcome to another episode of the Colorful Plates podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Medina. Today, we interview Steve Sterling with Freshlink Produce about the short and long-term effects of the two massive hurricanes that have rocked the East Coast. We check in with Brian Denton with a roundup of current resources for chefs. And as always, we take a look at the state of the produce industry in our market update segment, In the Fields. This is the Fresh Produce Outlook for October 29th, 2018. Let's turn to our resident Gen Xer who thinks he's a millennial, Brian Denton. Brian, what's making the cut this week? Stephen, many of our listeners may not be aware of the resources available on our website, colorfulplates.co. So I wanted to walk through the segments of the website and how it may enhance a chef's understanding of fresh produce and assist in menu planning. Uh, the site is meant as a guide to the world of fresh produce for culinary professionals. And in that spirit, profiles over 100 of the most commonly used produce items in North American kitchens, giving information about seasonal availability, taste profiles, varieties, recommended growers, tips, recipes, and ideas for things like best storing and usage. Uh, so, Stephen, what vegetable has a variety called dragon's tongue? Oh, it's arugula. I, I just read it on this. I read it on the site. You're no fun. You weren't supposed to know that. Well, I'm not just a podcast host, Brian. I'm also a client. Go, go away. Anywho, Dragon's Tongue Arugula is a rich, flavorful, and spicy variety with red veined leaves. And it's fantastic in salads, both visually and for the palate. All things you would know, as Stephen does, because of the site. The articles, which are added to almost daily, are packed with practical information in short bursts. And the site is organized so that you can search by item or food service segment. So if you're looking for ideas to kickstart menu planning for a college dining hall or at a hospital cafeteria or a white tablecloth restaurant, you can find it. While we always promote the site as by chefs for chefs, we should also mention that hundreds of the world's premier fresh produce growers have added content at the site as well. Names you may recognize like Sunkist, Driscoll's, Grimway, Diarigo, Rainier, Taylor Farms, and many more have brought their expertise to the site to aid development. So thanks to them, and I think that we're better because of it. Of course, there are profiles of chefs that are trendsetters in the industry and plenty of visuals to assist you on your journey of culinary discovery. Hey, Brian, do you know what my favorite part of the site is? Uh, ruining my podcast segment? Yeah, that's a, that's a big part of it. But the other part is all the produce puns. They make me feel nice and warm inside. Okay, go ahead. You want to share your favorite article title? Is it, let me guess, the article on raspberries called Berry Bonds, How to Make Every Meal an MVP? It's a close second. My favorite is Mango Unchained. <laughs> Gosh, that's... It's sad. Uh, anyway, check out colorfulplates.co, bookmark it, follow us on social media. Stephen, making the cut this week, free resources to help chefs bring produce to the center of the plate. Thanks, Brian. It might be those upcoming performance reviews next month, but if I told you how magical you are on the microphone, it's like if Guy Fieri had a baby with Adele. This week, I had the opportunity to speak with Steve Sterling, general manager at Freshlink Produce in Lake Park, Georgia. We pick up on our conversation with Steve explaining the devastation hurricanes can cause and what that means for supply and quality of the produce that comes out of the East Coast. Hurricane Florence was really mainly for farmers was a rain event. It dumped an enormous amount of rain in southern North Carolina and northern South Carolina. And then it, it actually and it dumped a lot of rain on up through in Virginia. The main thing with Florence is sweet potatoes and cabbage in, in northeastern North Carolina, and it's, there's a big gap in cabbage right now where we should be pulling out of North Carolina. There's, there's no cabbage there, and it, the cabbage market is extremely tight. The long-term effect from that storm is probably going to be felt more in sweet potatoes, and it's, and it's twofold. They've probably lost 
about 25 or 30 percent of the crop in North Carolina, which is huge because that's a, a lot of acreage there. You're, we're not feeling the effect right now. I think there will be some effect felt around the holidays because of the the, the, the 25 percent that's gone. The second half of that problem is that a lot of the potatoes that have been dug and have been and put into storage, these growers can tell already that they're not going to last very long. Potatoes that were meant for Easter in springtime, they're not going to hold that long. So they're going to go ahead and sell them early. The real big effect of this with sweet potatoes is going to be felt in April and May when there's no storage potatoes coming out and you, and you run into that gap. As far as cucumbers and peppers and those other crops that are grown in North Carolina, they are, they are done. They, you know, they got hit with all that water. It, most everything in the way of cukes and peppers in central North Carolina was just, you know, destroyed overnight. And they did go back and pick a few cucumbers after the event, and but it didn't, it, it was just a few days and, and they had to quit. As far as Michael goes, you know, sweet corn was just wiped out for the most part. I mean, there is a small percentage of acreage of sweet corn in the state of Georgia that is was east of where that hurricane affected, but the vast majority of acreage of sweet corn in the state of Georgia was wiped out, and they were just starting. So it, it, it's going to have a huge impact. The farmers went out after the storm and picked up what they could off the ground, but it's an extremely hard thing to do. The quality was not very good, and they're done. And it's 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 done. It's over with. So, you know, I would say 80% of the sweet corn crop in the state of Georgia was lost. And that's, I mean, that's this time of year, that is the supply for sweet corn on the eastern, you know, eastern side of the country. It has hurt string beans. A lot of green beans are grown over on the western side of the state. There's not as many peppers or squash and that type of stuff, cucumbers grown on the western side of the state. Most of that's grown more in the central location of the state that did not have near as much effect from the storm as far as wind and rain goes. But what we found out, and we didn't realize it at first, was the pepper crop, which had just been started, there was enough wind that it just opened up the plants and left them open, and within two or three days after the storm, we started seeing a lot of discoloration in the pepper, a lot of sun scalding, and if you were to ride through by pepper fields down here now, you would see the middles of the rows between the plants is covered with pepper that farmers have had to go in, pick off the plant, and throw down. So... We're going to end up with 50% of a pepper crop. The other day, you know, my farmer picked a thousand boxes of pepper when he should have picked probably, you know, six or seven thousand boxes. Eggplant is not going to have much of an effect on. It hurts squash and cucumbers, but Florida was just beginning their season when that storm hit. So we're not going to feel as much effect there as we maybe would have had as far as not been right ready to start.
they're starting now. So the supply on, on squash and cucumbers will be fine going forward. Peppers are still going to, the supply of peppers and eggplant will be very light for the next week or 10 days. It will be mid-November before you see any real relief with sweet corn. It'll probably be the second week of November before we see any relief with, relief with green beans. And they're, and they're the primary items that are, you know, that we've got over here now. You know, I know hurricane season is something they talk about a lot that happens. Uh, is there is there worry that another hurricane is going to come through and cause more damage to uh, the already beat up uh, East Coast? You know, in the fall of the year, hurricanes is just something we 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 deal with, or we you know we we think about it all the time, and we hope that we just are not in the path of one. There's there's no real way to to prepare for it, right? There's there's nothing you can really do. You just have to kind of understand that it's something that that may happen, and and hopefully, uh, if it does, it's not so bad. That's correct. You know, when you've got plants like now, a lot of our cucumbers are grown up on poles, so they're staked and tied. Uh, pepper is staked and tied. Eggplants are staked and tied. So those types of plants that are that are a little bit taller, we stake them and tie them. And and that helps you up until about 30 to 35 miles an hour. But when when your winds get higher than that, then there's just not much you can do about it. And with something like, say, sweet corn, you can't stake and tie that. Uh, You can't do it to green beans. And when you get these winds, you know, 60, 70 miles an hour, it just, it lays that stuff flat on the ground. And a young plant may stand back up, but a, an older plant that's more mature will not. And a lot of times they'll break off. And that's what really happened with the corn and a lot of those green beans in the western side of the state. Of course, they were dealing with winds of 90 and upwards, you know, close to 100 miles an hour. I had growers send me pictures of, fields that were several hundred acres and the corn was just laid over flat and at that point it's you know it's broken off they've got a handful of days where they can go out there and try to salvage something out of the field but it's i mean it's a small percentage compared to what they have out there as far as preparing for a hurricane there's nothing you can really do to prepare for you know 70 80 90 mile an hour winds yeah, you just have to to hope hope for the best at that point is that um, that that it doesn't get so bad for you. No, Steve, thank you for the time. This this is really informative just to know like how destructive it is and what what farmers can do or try to do to uh, to mitigate. But when Mother Nature uh, is is pretty pissed off the way it is, we're we're stuck dealing with her wrath. So um, I really appreciate it. You know, at that point, it goes beyond the farmer, and you know, some of them have gotten power back, but a lot of them still don't have power. You know, Bainbridge, Georgia, which is right on the um, state line between Alabama and Georgia, is only about 60 miles north of Mexico Beach. So, and you saw the devastation on the news of what happened in Mexico Beach. And, uh, you know, so they they were receiving a lot of that same type of wind and and weather there. And so so at that point, it it becomes a point of survival, and you worry about the, the crops. When later, you know, it's 
Yeah. Steve, uh, this is, this is great. This is really informative. Um, I'm sure I'll bug you again at some point uh, in the future as, as, uh, as we continue on, but, um, thanks for giving me some insight and let me know what's going on with, uh, with these hurricanes. And it's that time again, where we look at the ups and downs and all arounds of the wacky world of produce. That's right. It's our market updates in the field. As you heard from Steve, the East coast was hit pretty hard. Subsequently, the produce coming out of that region is having a rough go. On top of that, tropical storms out West have caused similar quality and supply issues. Specifically, on both coasts, look out for corn, green bean, peppers, sweet potatoes, tomatoes, cucumbers, and green onions. Expect higher pricing and lower quality from all these products. Weather issues in Mexico is causing problems with blackberries and blueberries delaying harvest and impacting quality for about the next week or so. Lettuce has begun its transition to the desert region for the winter. Make sure to check back in with us next week to learn exactly what is transition, why it happens, and what it means for your ordering and your menus. We're still getting good reports on apples, pears, onions, kale, grape, pineapples, and autumn squash. All are being reported with good quality and good supply levels. Talk to your distributor to move these onto your next order. And that has been a look in the fields. That's going to do it for us. We want to send a huge thank you to Steve Sterling from Freshlink for sharing with us this week and to all the people who made this podcast possible. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching for Colorful Plates or at ColorfulPLTS. We're also on Instagram at ColorfulPlates.co. If you have any feedback or suggestions, drop us an email at podcast at ColorfulPlates.co. Thanks for listening. And as always, stay fresh. Stay fresh.